We're, uh, we're in the book of Colossians, and I've been uh, backing up a little bit, so I, now I'm going to try to go forward so we can try to get closer to the end of Colossians instead of going back to the beginning. The reason that I backed up last week was it, we were talking about being buried in baptism. And I kind of went by that a few weeks ago, thinking that I had covered baptism pretty good in previous sermons over the past year or so. And the more I tried to move on from that, the more I was convicted to go back to it. And then as I went back, and was reading it and thinking about it, I started seeing the other things that are mixed in with that, and that's why I did the sermon last week, and it was basically the things that you can't actually do are the things you have to count on. The things that we actually do as humans don't really amount to much but it's the things we cannot do is what faith means. Think about it. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those things that I listed last week, which was the circumcision made without hands, being baptized into Jesus, you know, being baptized with the Holy Ghost, that's what Jesus does for us. Uh, our old man, this flesh that is crucified, but it looks like it's still walking around doing just fine. Uh, being raised up from the dead. Did we really die? Did we, did we really participate in the death of Jesus? And then were we raised with him? And then uh, are we really sitting together with Jesus at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now? Are we? It, all those things are in the Bible, but yet we can't possibly do any of those. But yet that's what we count on for true salvation. Right? That's what we count on for salvation from the penalty of the sin that we all are part of. Some of this is going to sound familiar to the people in Sunday school because we talked about a little bit of this. So I want to carry that on past just that salvation experience that we all hopefully have experienced. But yet, we also have salvation from the power of sin in our life. Does that make sense? The penalty of sin has been dealt with, but yet now we're living a Christian life life, our walk of faith, and we have struggles in this world we live in. We have struggles with this body of flesh, the lust of the flesh. You know, we, we act out in anger sometimes when we shouldn't. I'm guilty of it. You can ask my wife. <laughs> you can ask my wife. Please don't, but you could. And she will tell you that I get angry sometimes. We all mess up. 
but we're supposed to be delivered from the power of sin in our life. And we try to be a good representative of our Heavenly Father and walk through this world, this world and this flesh we live in, and Satan who is encouraging us to do things opposite of spiritual things, we deal with that all the time. So the same things that you can't do physically, you can't make happen, those same things you have to apply to your Christian walk. This, uh, the old man is crucified. You must be able to tell yourself when you start to get angry or when you start to look at things you shouldn't look at, sinful things, or participate in things that are not godly, and you, you, everybody else is going to do that, and you want to be a part of it, uh, you have to say, the old man is crucified. So what pleasure would I get out of any of these sinful things I could do? Or uh, a person who's dead can't get angry. If you walk up to a dead person and smack them, they're not going to get upset with you. I promise you. And they won't ever sin again in their whole existence. They're dead. They're not going to sin. So we need to say, when we come up to something that is going to tempt us, we need to say, oh, well, if the old man was still alive, he might, he might participate and enjoy that. But he's dead. I might as well go on. That's the way we really need to handle not sinning and in living a Christian life is to believe something that is above us. Our three enemies, the world, Satan, and our own flesh. Those are our three enemies. <coughs> so now we are, we, we're going to be in 16. Knowing that Christ died on the cross, and why did he do it? So that he could blot out the handwriting of ordinances so that he could spoil principalities and powers. It's, it's all right here. We've done this over the last few weeks. We have been circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. I showed you the difference of actual physical circumcision that you can actually go do and how it represented the spiritual circumcision of this body of flesh being cast off all of that um, buried with him in baptism, how we can actually do a physical baptism, or we can believe in the baptism that Jesus did with the Holy Ghost. And that's, that's what's on the front of your uh, bulletin. If you want to look at your bulletin, that's the verse that you go to. Jesus is either going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost or with fire. So now that we know all of those things, now we're getting into walking a Christian life and, and Paul is telling the, the church at Colossae that this is what's going to happen to you and the reason that you need to be reading your Bible is because there's warnings throughout about people who are actually Christians 
that can be tricked. You can be bewitched. You can be uh, beguiled. You can be all these different things. You, can, you, you could, as a Christian, you could be tricked into believing things and following things that are rudiments of this world, the philosophies of men, and it can rob you of your reward. It may, it, if you're just a mere uh, professor of Christianity, you're really easy game for that. But even God's elect, even people who are on their way to heaven can be taken off course and you'll lose rewards that you otherwise would have gotten in heaven. So Paul is constantly, throughout his, his writings, warning us about not uh, allowing ourselves to be carried away with these different things, these different doctrines of men. So, uh, 16. I think that's where we would be if I go to where the last place, the farthest we've been along here is, I'm pretty sure it was 15, uh, verse 15 a couple weeks ago. Um, 16. Let no man therefore you, therefore judge you in meat, and that's whatever you might eat. It's not meat. We were talking about this in Sunday school. King James Bible. When it says meat, that's what you eat. It doesn't necessarily mean just meat that we would talk about. Meal. Whatever you would eat for your meal. So let not uh, uh, someone judge you in what you eat or in what you drink. Right, there, there's, I think it's Mormonism, where if you drink tea or coffee, is that right? Then, then you, you're just not in good standing with the church. Don't let anybody judge you in that. Uh, Joseph might judge me for drinking Dr. Pepper. I'm not letting him judge me. The Bible says it right there. Let nobody judge you in what you eat or drink. But he likes picking on me, because it's way better to drink water, Right? So he's putting waters, water, bottled water in the refrigerator. I'm like, don't put so many in there. I need space for my Dr. Pepper. And he's like, just walk away from temptation, Dad. Walk away from it. Run from it. Ah, preacher's sons, you got to watch out for them. But at least I got this verse. I can drink a Dr. Pepper every now and then and not be judged. So we got that. Know how to answer every man. Now it says, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Notice the order. Notice how, that, uh, how that's laid out. It's three different things. And they represent something. A holy day. You can add uh, a letter in, in uh, holiday. Every year, we celebrate something. Whether it be Thanksgiving, we just celebrated, which is a great, a great holiday that we have in America. We have Christmas. We celebrate it every single year. It's a holiday or a holy day. There's all kinds of Jewish holy days. And there are people who will look down on us because we don't celebrate certain 
holy days. All right, so think of that as a yearly thing. What, all right, the next one says, or of the new moon. What does that mean? Those monthly things. That might be what that means. So things that you have to do on a monthly basis. The Jewish people would be very uh, familiar with that. And then, what's the other one? Sabbath days. That would, be, that would get down to the, well, every week, where you have to follow something every week. So there are people like the Seventh-day Adventist. There's, so there's a couple denominations that broke off of uh, the Church of God. There's one that I can think of. And they go to church on Saturday because that's the Sabbath day. But if you read your Bibles, you will know that uh, after the, this new church age was started up, then they met on the first day of the week. The, the Bible clearly says they met on the first day of the week. Now, if we decided as a church we're going to meet on Thursdays, would that matter? It would matter only in that it's not convenient, right? But as far as pleasing God or not, it wouldn't matter a bit. It doesn't matter which day. We happen to meet on Sundays because it's the first day of the week and our Bibles talk about them meeting on the first day of the week. That's why we do it. You're going to run into people who will say, they'll kind of look down at you a little bit and, say, and, they, and they'll say, well, we meet on Saturdays because that's the true Sabbath. It's like, well, good for you. So don't let anybody judge you on what day of the week you meet. 17, this explains it, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now, all of those things that they were holding to, whether it be holi I say holidays or holy days or the new moons, the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest, which pictured the rest we enter into when we believe on Jesus. So you can be real religious about it and try to keep an actual day, or you can be in Jesus and know every day is good. You get freedom in that. All human religions place men under bondage to ordinances, rules, regulations, and a religious calendar. You know, we can uh, make lighting these candles a ritual. It really is a ritual, lighting the candles. And what if we didn't do it? Is God going to be upset with us? No. But we do it because it's something this church has done forever. And it represents something. So it's a picture of inviting Jesus to be here. And we're supposed to always remember that if Jesus isn't in the midst, then we're, this is all for nothing. So we invite Jesus to be in the midst of us, and then at the end, when we all go to leave, we take him out into the world with us. There's nothing wrong with it, with having this, but we can, you can make it something wrong with it by just being ritualistic and not understanding what it really means. Now, to, to back up all of this, I'm going to read uh, out of Galatians. 
Does anybody remember what I say when someone is criticizing me for not going to church on Saturday? What's my response? Has the book of Galatians fallen out of your Bible? That's what I usually say. So over in Galatians, I'm going to read out of uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 19, and read a few verses here. We went through Galatians on Wednesday nights, didn't we? Not that long ago. Well, it's been long enough we can't really remember. I'm pretty sure we went through Galatians not that long ago. Verse 19, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. You have died and been buried with Him, so now you're dead to the law, so that you can be raised, uh, and I'm just talking here, I'm not reading, but you can be raised up to walk with God, to live with Him. You know, because when I say, you know, you can walk up to a, to a dead person and smack them and they won't care, uh, and we're supposed to be crucified, our old man is crucified, well, we're not, we don't stay dead. But the old man who wants to sin is dead, but the new man has been raised up to live for God. It's right there in Galatians 19, uh, 2.19. 20, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the NIV likes to change the word flesh to sinful nature quite often. So if you have an NIV Bible, there's many places that you will read, and when you get to the word, the, the Greek word sarx, it will say flesh in the King James every time. But certain newer versions might change it to something different. And it would really mess it up right here, I think, if you actually put sinful nature there. But So you are, you are still living in your fleshly body, but yet you're the resurrected self, not the old man self. Okay? Jesus Christ was made... In what he was made to be flesh. That's another place you would be, it would be horrible to say he was made in sinful nature. That's impossible. But he was made to be flesh like us so that he can be a perfect sacrifice. Isn't that an awesome verse right here? Isn't that wonderful? And it explains it, everything I've been talking about, all these things that you can't do for yourself, that you have to believe have been done to you, by Jesus, it says that it wraps it all up right here in this verse. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then this next verse, 21. If you get drawn away into rituals, and the handwriting of ordinances, 
and all those holy days and new moons and Sabbath days, if you get, if you get wrapped up in all that, then you are doing what 21 says. He, Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. But if you're carried away in all those things, that's exactly what you are doing. You are frustrating the grace of God. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He died on the cross for nothing if you have to be saved through the law. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, this only what I learn of you. And he's asking a question, Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Remember, hearing the Word of God. Whether you're reading it for yourself, you're hearing it being preached, or your son is quoting it to you, run from temptation. You know, that's hearing the Word of God. And we get true salvation, and we get true uh, sanctification, if you want to call it that, actually uh, being like Christ, being made to be more holy, we get that the same way, through faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Of course not. So you're, you're going, uh, you've been instructed to follow the Spirit, but now you're turning back to that flesh which was crucified, and you're trying to please God through those things that you do, when I've given you the list, Paul has given us a whole list of things that you can't do for yourself. You must believe in them. And those are the things you, count, you can count on. That's what's, that's what, that is what got you saved and is keeping you saved and to ultimately one day get you to heaven. All those things. Back over to Colossians. Let no, this is 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he, which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now, you will see in some versions of the Bible, you will see uh, which things, it will say, intruding into those things which he hath seen. The not is taken away. Huh, that causes a problem. Because actually, on a human level, that makes more sense to me. Because it's talking about worshiping angels and maybe seeing visions, and you see things in the spiritual world, and it's caused you to be... Uh, beguiled, and actually worshiping angels, intruding into those things that which he hath not seen. So, the way I see it is there are many people who are, you could call it being into spiritism. 
you ever heard of calling people back from the dead? Uh, there, some very spiritual things can happen. I can tell you stories of a preacher getting a word of somebody's name when there's no way he could have known their name, and he just feels like God gave them their name, and he spoke to that person and said, is your name whatever, and that person's blown away. Uh, the story, it's a true story, and the, girl, the woman's name was Regina. The pastor was there, he was like an evangelist, some type, he had come from another place of the country, and he was doing this, it was a huge event, thousands of people were there. I can remember telling uh, Joseph about it years ago, a couple, a couple years ago, I mean, it brought tears to his eyes, just talking about this, and how this woman, she, she had become pregnant, she used to go to church years ago, she had walked away from it all, she was living a life of sin, and her life was a miserable wreck, and she didn't know what else to do, and she heard about this big event going on at the church, and so she went to it, and she was sitting way up there amongst thousands of people. And at the end of it all, everybody was all stirred up, and, every, and they invited people to come down for prayer. And the minister who was there, he was up on the stage, and he was watching these people one by one coming down, and he saw this one woman get up, and she's walking down, and he could see that she was pregnant, and tears all up. She looked just horrible, you know, just very depressed, and she walks down, she stood over there, and he got a name in his head. It said Regina. Her name is Regina. Well, what he didn't know was that the woman, as she was walking down to the, what we would call the altar, which is really not good, it should be the table, uh, I'll get into that some other time. But she's walking down, and as she's walking down, she is praying to God silently, and she said, God, I don't even know if you even remember my name. So guess what she got when he walked over and said, is your name Regina? She had just asked God, do you even remember my name? Because I left you. I've been, go I've been out in the world. So, can you imagine what that did for her? Okay, now I can preach stuff like that and tell stories like that, and you would really get into it. And there's a lot of so-called charismatic churches out there that are full that do that every week. They play on your emotions, they're getting into spiritism, and that they have special things going on there, and that's why they're growing by leaps and bounds, and they have such a great service, and it's all uh, entertaining. They sing great contemporary music. But you got to be careful into getting into these spiritual things when God has given us everything we need in His book. Now, that situation that I just told you about was for her. It was for her. And if you start expecting God to do something special for you like that, then you're getting into dangerous ground. If He does it, wonderful. But don't go around ex expecting it and demanding it and having to see a sign to believe. Jesus said, it's an evil generation who requireth a sign. 
Remember the rich man down in hell. If you will send Lazarus back up there, he can tell my brothers that this place is real. Sorry. They have Moses and the prophets. And he said, but yeah, but if somebody came back from the dead, well, you know what? Even Jesus is going to come back from the dead, and they're still not going to believe. So yes, spiritual things do happen. God can do what he wants to do, but be careful, because you can be beguiled through a voluntary humility. Now, what could that be talking about? That could be talking about the, the Gnostics of their day, back then. The Gnostics were very much into knowledge. Well, we've already been instructed in, in Colossians, you could go back to, I believe it's verse 9 of chapter 1, talking about the real knowledge, the full knowledge of Jesus Christ and godly things. We're not told uh, to, to not want knowledge, but there's, remember, there's that, that intellectual believing, but then there's the heart believing that we talked about last week. They, would, they were into angel worshiping. Not, not, they wouldn't come out and say, I worship angels. But they thought that the angels were the connection between man and God. Can you see why they would think that back then? Because, you know, Gabriel came... And he said, God said, to, so it would be an easy thing to be tricked into to want to go to an angel or to call on an angel because angels did some wonderful things. They brought a very wonderful Christmas message, right? But we are, if we was to pray to an angel, a real angel would set us straight right away, Right? If, we, if an angel showed up to you and you bowed down, they would say, no, you stand up. Worship is only for God. That's a real angel. But if you're able to bow down to an angel, if you're able to pray to an angel and they're accepting it, that's a demonic angel. And they will, be, uh, they will manifest themselves like the angels of light. We've got to be careful. How about the Catholics? They have this voluntary humility that I, I, I cannot go directly to God because I'm a sinful person, and what I need to do is, oh, I'll just go through Mary. So they, they'll say they're praying to Jesus, but through Mary, because I'm just so humble, I'm not going to go directly to Jesus, so I'll, get, I'll go through Mary. And they lift Mary up, and they end up worshiping her, now, you can go to the Catholics and they'll say, well, that's just, they got three different levels of, of how they hold certain figures. God would be way up here, and then angels would be down here, and then the Apostle Peter and Paul, who, who finally reached sainthood, you know, so many hundred years after they died, they're down on this level. So we don't really worship them like the same way we worship God, but yet they're still worshiping them. So they, they, they justify it by having levels. So, confessing sins to a priest, that, they do that. They pray to Jesus through Mary, and they could even be connecting to God through angels. But what does the Word of God say? In 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 
So we are instructed in our Bibles that all of those things that we see, this uh, voluntary humility, worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen. So, so this is what got me off on all of that. If you see somebody... Remember I asked, have you ever heard of calling somebody back from the dead? If you was to go, King Saul did it, and who did, who did he want to see? Remember Samuel? He wanted to see Samuel. Samuel had been dead. The Word of God actually says way before that the last time they see each other is when somebody had died or the day they died, and it, like that makes no sense. Because Samuel died so much longer, you know, he was dead for a long time. Now, that just doesn't make sense. But the day Saul died, he saw him. They brought him back from the dead, and then the Bible makes sense. Like, ooh. If you go to somebody that say they can be a medium and they can bring somebody back from the dead, and, and they'll tell you what that person's saying to you, giving you a message, you know, people get into that. Well, you think you're seeing something, but you really aren't seeing who you think you're seeing. I think that's what this means. This could mean that. So if you see a vision, or if you get somebody to bring somebody back from the dead, uh, you might think you've seen it, and it's proof to you, but you're looking at something that is not real. It's an imposter. You may be thinking that this is an angel from God, but it's really not. It's an angel from the demonic side. And, and, and when, you're, when you get into that, you're vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. That's, that's this person who has been beguiled. They're vainly puffed up by, his, by their fleshly mind. 19, and not holding the head, that's capital H, that's Jesus. Now, we, we know that Jesus is also the root. And he's, he is the vine, and we are a branch. So when you see a root system, you, you actually don't see it. Right? A root is buried under the ground. You can't see it. So when we worship Jesus and we're connected to Jesus, he's unseen to most because he's gone. He went to be with the Father. So he's not only the root or the vine, but he's also, he is the head. So when we are representing Jesus, we make sure the world sees him in us by acknowledging that he is the head of the body. We are just parts of the body. And we're joined together. Joints and, and uh, ligaments and things. We're, we're all, the body of Christ is joined together. And if it's not, if it's not connected to the head, it's a body that might be busy doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's not being directed by God, by Christ. So, and not, so if you are beguiled and you're into these other things and not holding the head, which is Christ, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God we got to remember that each and every one of us is an important part of the body of Christ. We all have different gifts. And we need to be together 
And we need to be tied together by, by joints and bands so that we can nourish each other. But if we're not connected to Jesus, it's all for nothing. Verse 20, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, and that's, it's, it's not asking a question, it's basically, since you are, it's asking this question. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances like touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So what that's saying is, if you are a very legalistic, religious person, you might look good to people around you, to the world. You might look good. You might be really good at acting all those things out. But if you are all consumed with the commandments and doctrines of men, and you're tricked or beguiled into all those other things, yeah, you might look good. If you, if you, you might be a person that just has really good willpower. You might be somebody who abstains from eating all meats and proud of yourself about it, how other people just can't do what you do. Well, that's just, yeah. You, you're, you're, think about people who have done well and they've got riches on this earth and they're self-sufficient and they don't need God. Uh, those who abstain from all the bad things, and they're very, very healthy, and they're wanting to live a long, long time because deep down inside they know the day they die it's going to be hell, literally. And they're trying to figure out how to live forever. There's people out there that are just going all out trying to figure out how to keep this body alive for longer and longer and longer. And they also need to make sure this earth is in good shape. So if we ever figure out how to live forever, this earth's got to be in great shape to handle us forever. So they're, they're all into worshiping their bodies and worshiping this earth. We see it. It's those people who have turned away from God that are looking to those things. They, they get radical about it. And they feel really good about themselves for doing such good things. Now here's another question in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then, and that's not saying it's, you're doubting or you're wondering if it's happened, it's since, since ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So, 
if you're into all of those other things that we, I've been talking about, and you think that's getting you to heaven, you are going to be sadly mistaken because if you don't arrive in Christ, you're not arriving. There's too many people who are living on this earth right now who are procrastinators when it comes to spiritual things. They're, living, they're just trying to live a good life, a happy life, and one day before they die, they're going to try to get things right with God. One day. They're procrastinators when it comes to spiritual things. There are people who admit to you that one of these days they're going to get things right. They'll try to get things worked out with the man upstairs before they actually die. If you're that way, you are lost, and chances are you're going to be taken out before that ever happens. And it'll be a sad day. So make a decision for Christ today and read what, what He does for you. He will give you the victory and you will be in Him and you will appear with Him in glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Word. Father, we pray that each and every person who hears this Word, who has heard it today, and those who will hear it on a podcast or on a CD, Father, that this Word will touch hearts. It'll, it'll renew minds. And Father, we will be less likely to be beguiled into some other way of living this Christian life, but that we will, we will be totally committed, and Father, we will rest completely in the finished work of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Father, we thank you for wanting to have relationship with us, and Father, I pray that more will be turned to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.